he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not sinned. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, ye will, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you, but now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. So far the reading of God's word. <clears throat> it is John 15, verses 18 and 19 that are our text this morning. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his infallible word. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus in this our passage is speaking to his disciples. He is comforting them. They are full of sorrow because he has talked about his death. And he has talked about how he is going to be leaving them. He is going to die on the cross, but death cannot hold him. He will rise again on the third day, not to return 
forever on the earth with his disciples, but he is going to ascend into heaven, but he's leaving his disciples here below. And he is trying to warn them. How swiftly the passage, which we have read, turns from love, Christ's love and our love for one another in the family of God, to the subject of hatred. The world will hate you. You see, Jesus is forewarning his disciples. Oh yes, those disciples had seen how the Jews were treating Jesus, how they were filled with contempt and hatred for Jesus. But they themselves had not really experienced that. They came back after going out preaching and they were rejoicing because even the devils heard them and were cast out. Their testimony of Jesus Christ will bring them the world's wrath and hatred. One asks questions. Arthur Pink writes, the warning that Jesus gives his disciples here, this warning which the Lord had given the apostles is much needed by young believers today. Why? Why is it especially young believers today that need to hear this warning that the world will hate you? Remember, this is the discourse there in the upper room. Nine times we find the word love in our passage. And then eight times we hear that word hatred. Over against the love that abides in the family of God, we hear about the world. And that word world is mentioned six times. And then the pronoun they and them nine more times. The emphasis is here upon that sinful world that you and I still live in. This is the truth that we need to hear, be aware of. One's friendship with Jesus Christ will make us objects of the world's hatred. You need to be prepared for that. The disciples must not imagine that now the world is just going to accept them and throw their arms around them, receive their message, but instead the opposite is true. And that's always been the case throughout the Bible. Let's go way back to the Old Testament, boys and girls, with Abel's wonderful testimony and life and sacrifice. What happened to him? His brother Cain killed him because Abel's testimony was beautiful and powerful. Or think a moment of Enoch who brought the word of God to the people. God took him to heaven because the world hated him for it. Or think of Elijah as he brings the word of God to the ten northern tribes, Israel. Ahab and Jezebel seek his life. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, when he is commissioned to bring the word of God, he is told that hearing they will not hear or understand. 
Seeing they will not be able to see, there's going to be rejection. The same for Jeremiah and the same for now the apostles and the same for you and me still today. And the more that the disciples were going to experience the world's hatred, Jesus is saying the more fervently they must love one another. Expect, yes, expect, Rebecca, the world's hatred, bitterness in your testimony. It is the opposition of Satan himself. For the disciples, it would mean, first of all, the Jews would hate them, and that's not enough. Then finally, the Gentile world also would hate them and put them to death. There's only one of Jesus' disciples that escapes martyrdom. And that was John, who was exiled to the island of Patmos. All those Christians who expect to have popularity with the world don't realize that the world is their enemy. Jesus says, Whosoever will be afraid of the world... They are, they are all those who love the world, are a friend of the world. They are the enemy of God, James 4, verse 4. Again, Jesus says, love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 2, verse 15. So that's my theme as Jesus is comforting the disciples, but also forewarning them of what's going to take place, disciples of Christ hated but helped. Hated but helped. Notice with me, first of all, then, the hatred of the world. The second point is the reasons for that hatred and how it manifests itself. And then thirdly, the help, the help that is afforded you and me as we live our Christian lives. Let's begin with that theme, the hatred of the world. What is that world that Jesus is talking about here? The Greek word cosmos, world, has different meanings in different passages of God's word. That word world can, first of all, be a reference to this created world that God made, which we read about in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. The orderly, arranged, physical universe that God created, that creation of this world which, in which we live, which reflects the glory and the power of God. What does John Calvin say about this world that God created? It's a most eloquent book. That means that everyone is able to see in this created world God's power and glory. And thus everyone is without excuse if they do not worship him. That's the meaning of the word in John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world, the world that he created. 
In other words, Jesus Christ is sent into the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only son not only to save souls, not only to save persons, but God gave his son to save this whole universe. For there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth where there is no more sin, no more sickness or pain or suffering or death. When Jesus comes again. So the word world can mean this created orderly universe that God made. Second of all, the word world can also have, be a reference for humanity. All nations, Jews and Gentiles alike. All people that are born in this world and live here. And then there's a third meaning for the word world, and that is the world of the ungodly. Or that is humanity arranged under the power of sin. Humanity subject to the power of the devil. Humanity as it stands in hostility to God. We read in 1 John 5 verse 19, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And that is how the word world is now used in our text before us. The world in Christ's day was that nation of Israel, the Jews. Those Jews rejected Jesus' message. And they would reject and turn against the apostles who would bring that witness of Jesus Christ. But not just the Jews, then also the Roman Empire would turn against Christ Jesus. Instead of worshiping the emperors, they worshiped one who had lived and died and also rose again from the dead. Yes, the world together opposes Christ Jesus. Jews and Romans normally wouldn't unite at all, but they do when it comes to opposition to Christ Jesus. Just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees in day, Jesus' day. They couldn't stand each other. They were diametrically opposed, except they joined together. They united in opposition to Christ and to Christ's disciples. Today, there's all kinds of nations. <clears throat> Communist, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, Europe, America, Africa, Middle East. Great persecution against disciples of Christ. I encourage you, we have, <clears throat> here at church, we get it every so often, the voice of the martyrs. Read about the persecution that is given to new Christians in so many different countries. Yes, we live in a world that is united in opposition to God, to his Christ, and to Christ's church. It is a world opposed to God and to Christ and to his church because it is a world that was fallen in Adam. 
They are arranged under the power of sin and death. They are allied to Satan himself, and therefore they are hostile to the truth, hostile to godliness, hostile to righteousness, hostile to holiness. Satan is the prince of this kingdom of the world. He's the ruler. And yes, he will use the false church even in that opposition to Christ Jesus. You see, it's a world that is enslaved to the lust of the flesh. They want to satisfy their fleshly desires. They want earthly things without God. And you and I are called to live in that world. We are called to interact with that world. No, we must not belong to that world. But we're not called to leave it or to hide from that world either. But rather, our calling as a church is here to bring the word of God to that world that lies in darkness so that some may be saved. They might be members of your extended family. They might be your neighbors. They might be those that you go to work with. We are to let our lights shine in the midst of the darkness of this world for the glory of God and for that powerful witness. There are men and women and children who must be saved. And therefore the disciples and the church now today must preach the gospel. They must preach that gospel promiscuously to the world. So that through the preaching, those whom God has known and loved from eternity might come to know Jesus Christ and be saved, delivered from the power of the prince of this world. So now the question comes, because Jesus is going to leave them behind when he ascends into heaven. How will the world respond to those disciples when they preach Jesus Christ? How will the world respond to you and to me when we confess Christ Jesus and live for him? How will the world respond to the presence of Christians in its neighborhoods, in its towns, in its cities, and its nations? And our text, verses 18 and 19 of John 15 and that's written on the top of your outlines if you have them before you, is it is hatred. They will hate you. Let me read those verses again. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Hatred. What is that hatred? It's the opposite of love. Hatred is an intense dislike. Hatred is a loathing. It is a detesting. It is the desire to destroy or to harm or even to kill. 
And that hatred is rooted in Satan's hatred for God, Satan's hatred of Christ Jesus, and yes, Satan's hatred for those who believe in Jesus Christ. Oh, how Satan hated Christ Jesus. Boys and girls, you'll remember that from your catechism classes, won't you? How Satan tried to prevent Jesus Christ from being born. Do you remember how Pharaoh and his host wanted all the baby boys drowned so that then Christ would not come? And when Jesus was born, what did Satan do? He had Herod look for the baby Jesus that he could kill him in Bethlehem. But God saved him. Satan came, <clears throat> Satan came through the Pharisees and the scribes trying to trap Jesus and belittle him. And finally, finally, what does the world do? What did the Jews do? They killed him. They put him on a cross. They thought, good, out of the way. But the disciples believed. The disciples preached Christ Jesus, risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, ruling his church, ruling the world, and coming again. The world hates believers. Since Satan detests the Son of God, the world detests the disciples who represent Christ Jesus. Those who are of Christ, in Christ. Hatred. You and I as believers are in this world. You see, in the world, there are two classes of people. They divide the whole globe. What are those two classes of people? They are the righteous in Christ Jesus and they are the wicked under Satan. And those two have always been in conflict, haven't they? They are antithetically opposite of one another. Absolutely antithetical. And so there's always the battle between those two seeds. The seed of the woman, that is the righteous, and the seed of the wicked. Always a battle. There's always the victory, finally, for the righteous. Do you remember, boys and girls, the flood that came and destroyed the world of the ungodly? And that same flood was a means of salvation for Noah and his family. They were separated out of the world and saved. Or again, boys and girls, you remember the story of the Old Testament of the death angel that would come over Egypt. How that death angel ruined the nation of Egypt by killing all the firstborn. But Israel, God's people, were safe under the cover of blood, the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed. There is a sharp line between sin and grace. The flood came into this world. Because the sons of God, we read in Genesis 4, the sons of God married the daughters of men. They tried to blend that line, those two sides of the line. 
that was a wicked alliance between the church and the world. And yes, each one of us as young people, as you're dating, you've got to remember that. Who are you going to date? Is it going to be those who are sons and daughters of God? Or are you willing to reach out and marry the daughters of men, the worldly, the wicked? We may not do that. The line is established by God intended to maintain that distinction between those who are precious precious to the Lord and those who are vile and those who are wicked. And let me add here, there's no third neutral ground. There's no neutral ground. Either you are for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his church, or you are opposed to him. That's the antithesis. And the truth of Scripture is, we read in John 17, we are in the world, but not of the world. Hatred. Hatred because believers are in Christ Jesus. That's what Jesus says. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Or again, verse 21 in our passage. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. If we were of the world, then the world would have an affection for us. Then the world would say, yes, he or she is one of us. The world loves sin. And in so much as we love sin, the world loves us. But in so much as we hate sin, oppose sin, expose sin, the world hates us. If we live like the world, then the world will have no quarrels with us. If we join the world, if we hold hands with the world, if we help the world in its rebellious against God, oh, then the world's going to applaud us. But the truth is, by God's grace, we are not of the world, but we are in Christ Jesus. So we must expect there's going to be persecution, there's going to be opposition. The world of darkness out there does not like the light that exposes its darkness. They don't want to hear about that darkness. They want to hear it all as well with my soul, but it's not. He who is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. That brings me to my second point then. The reasons for that hatred and the expression of that hatred. What is the reason? We are not of the world. You see, the hatred of the world is not because of social or economic reasons, but a spiritual reason. It's a spiritual reason. And notice with me, negatively also, that the world hates us not because we are weird or annoying or obnoxious or deliberately offensive, 
we must not be weird, annoying, or deliberately offensive. We must not suffer as evildoers. The Apostle Peter writes, we read in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, but none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, or as a busybody in others' matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. We suffer not for evil, but we suffer because we stand for Christ Jesus. We stand for his church. So positively, why does the world hate Christians? They hate us because we don't belong to it. Notice in our text, if you look at the text on the top of your sermon outlines, Jesus uses the term of the world. Boys and girls, in English, you learn that that little word of is a preposition. And the delight of diagramming sentences, right? The hatred of the world, it's underneath it. In other words, that little word of says, here is the source of the hatred. The hatred is of this world. If you were of this world, then the world would be the source of your life. The source of something determines its nature, its character. It determines its possessor. Jesus makes that same similar kind of assertion. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, the world is not the source of Christ's kingdom. Christ's kingdom is heavenly, it's spiritual, it's not earthly or carnal. So here in our passage, the disciples were not of the world. By nature, that is through Adam, we are of the world. By nature, our source was the world. By nature, we are sinful, and we belong to that world. The world is the fall of sin by Adam. God had created a perfect world. God had created perfect human beings. But we, we in our representative, Adam and Eve, Adam especially, we rebelled against God. We brought the whole world of humanity underneath the power of sin because of Adam's transgression there. We read of it in Genesis 3. We are by nature totally depraved. Because of Adam's transgression, all of our children are also born in sin. Yes, that is the state. That is the condition of the world. It can be traced back to Adam's sin and rebellion. And that sin develops, doesn't it? It develops an ungodly humanity. And unless by the grace of God is arrested, it develops in us. But something happened. Something wonderful happened. What? 
we by the grace of God have been lifted out of that depravity of sin. You and I by the grace of God were separated from that lifestyle, that humanity and we were consecrated, we were given to Christ Jesus. Don't we see that of the thief on the cross? For a while, both thieves were reviling Jesus Christ and saying, save yourself and save us. But something happened. Something happened that all of a sudden the one thief is silent and finally he turns on the other thief and he says, we deserve this. Our sins deserve this death, but this man's innocent. Something wonderful happened to that man, didn't he? He turned to Jesus and he said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Something wonderful happened. Something wonderful happened, didn't it, to Saul of Tarsus. There he was traveling on the road to Damascus. What was he going to do in Damascus? He was going to do what he did in Jerusalem. Put Christians into prison or even kill them. But he was changed. A light came from heaven. The voice of Jesus Christ came to him. And he was turned. He was turned from a persecutor of the church to the apostle of the church, the greatest apostle. Something happened. Something awful. Lifted out from that depravity and sin. Separated from that sin and consecrated to Christ Jesus. So, now we, by the grace of God, we stand against sin, don't we? We hate that sin that we find in ourselves, and we hate that sin that is there so rampant in the world. We oppose that sin, and we expose that sin. And the world in darkness hates us because it loves darkness. As you and I oppose and avoid sin, as we crucify those lusts of the flesh in us, as we condemn the lust of the world, the world will hate us. Imagine. Let me use some current examples. How the world hates the church's teaching, the Bible's teaching, that homosexuality is sin that rejecting one's own sex at birth and trying to become a different gender is sinful. How the world hates it that we stand against abortion of little children. They hate it. They want to silence that. And just as it happened to the apostles, it begins, first of all, at home. It is in the church today that the message that homosexuality is sin. Being a transgender person, it's walking in sin. It's rejection of God's good creation. Killing little babies is sin. And it is the false church that starts first in bringing accusation it hates. How has it happened? 
How has it happened that you and I have been lifted out of sin and depravity and are made in Christ Jesus? And the answer is, beloved, nothing in us ourselves, but rather it is the grace of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, may God be glorified. We have been lifted up. We have been changed. We've been turned around from sin to grace in Christ Jesus. The Apostle John explains in 1 John chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. That means the world. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world heareth them. What a powerful verse. Someone's living in us, isn't it? God is dwelling in these temples of ours. Christ Jesus, by his Spirit, is dwelling in us. So while the Satan and the world want to tear us apart... Greater is he that is in us than he that is Satan that is in the world. Why is there this great change in our lives? And then also, why does the world so hate us? You find it in our passage. It is because of God's own selection of us. It is because of divine election. God chose us to be his before the foundation of the world. If you have your Bible still open in front of you, look at verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. God in Christ Jesus has chosen us to be his. And that same theme comes again in verse 19, our text. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, I've ordained you for good works, therefore the world hateth you. You see, it is the love of God that's at the foundation of why we're not of the world. The choice was on his side, not ours. Jesus says, I have chosen you. You and I who are weak. You and I who are of ourselves sinful. You and I who are really dead before. He is strong. He sought us out when we were lost. There's a hymn that goes that way. It's not I, O Lord, it's not I that sought thee, but thou hast sought me. Why does the world hate us? It hates us because they hate God's sovereign election. The world hates that doctrine. It hates the sovereignty of God, the idea that Christians are sought out, they are singled out, they are favorites of God. Do you remember, boys and girls, 
how angry the Jews were when Jesus preached at the beginning of his ministry. It was in his hometown of Nazareth. They rejected him. They said, you have come to loose the prisoners. Do it look like we are prisoners here? You've come to heal us. Does it look like we're sick here? Jesus was preaching from Isaiah chapter 61. And then Jesus points out why there is that rejection. Jesus says, there were many widows in Israel during the famine in Elijah's day. But God in his sovereign grace sent Elijah to none of them but to the widow of Zarephath. Again, Jesus says, there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha. None of them were cleansed, though God in his sovereign mercy healed Naaman the Syrian. Oh, when the people in that synagogue heard Jesus preaching that sermon, they were filled with anger. They were filled with hatred. They wanted to get rid of him. They pushed him out of the synagogue, and yes, they would have pushed him over the cliff of the hill to kill him. But they could not. Hatred. When Jesus taught that God will have compassion on whom he pleases, they hated him. And that is still true today. Not just of the world, but also of much of the church world, the false church. Preach the doctrines of election and reprobation, and the preacher will be assailed fiercely by those who claim to be the people of God. When I was teaching in a Christian school in the Philippines for a little while, one of the students finally stood up and he says, yes, my parents told me, you're one of those Calvinists. You could almost hear the disgust in his voice. Yes, I am one of those followers of John Calvin that rejoiced in the sovereignty of God, not only in creation, not only in providence, but also in your and my salvation. Others look at us with our doctrine of election and they say, oh yeah, they're the frozen chosen. No, that doctrine of election warms our hearts. You see, God gets all the glory for our salvation. We were sinful, we were dead in sin, but God in his grace chose us before the foundation of the world and made us his own, gave us to Jesus Christ to be saved. Hated because of God's sovereign choice of us. Why hated? Thirdly, hated by the world because the preaching and faith of salvation by the cross of Jesus Christ, nothing of ourselves. Hated because we believe in Jesus Christ alone. And by Christ Jesus alone we were delivered from sin and from death and from hell. But also, saved by Jesus Christ, we are delivered from the world that held us in its snatch. Held us in its grasp. You see, man is proud. He wants to believe, and he says often, you can listen to it. You can do anything you set your mind to. You can become anything you want. 
Oh, to be beholden to someone else. To give credit to someone else for who and what we are. No, the world says, no, I, 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 I determine my fate. The gospel says, none is righteous, no, not one. The gospel says there's no way out of our sins in ourselves, but only in the cross of Jesus Christ. And so they will hate us as they hated Christ. They will hate us because our connection to Christ Jesus, because he's that vine in the beginning of John 15, and we are the branches of it bearing fruit. Fourthly, hated because of God's promise and God's work. It was God who said in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3, verse 15, I will create enmity between thee and the woman, thy seed and her seed. Why is that a blessing? Why is that a promise? Well, you know it. Adam and Eve, who were friends of God, walking and talking with God, they chose to be friends of the Satan. They believed Satan's lie instead of God's truth. You can eat of that tree that God says no to. You can sin. You're going to be equal with God. What a terrible thing. What an ugly thing. Those who were friends of God became enemies of God with Satan. And now God says, I'm going to change that. Instead of you loving the world and loving Satan, you will hate Satan and you will hate those who follow Satan, even as Satan and the wicked today will hate you. They will hate you. Hatred. Why this negative sermon this morning? Why tell these things? Let me give a reason. We read there in John 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. In other words, don't stumble because all of a sudden some of your friends don't like you anymore. Don't be surprised when maybe some of your family members don't want to talk to you anymore. Don't be surprised that the world continues to persecute Christians today. Don't be offended. Don't be stumble at it. Don't be scandalized. For to be forewarned is to be forearmed. Be prepared. Jesus was preparing these disciples for what they would face, telling them plainly what to expect. They shouldn't be discouraged when people wouldn't listen to them, or in fact, hated their message. Far from it. So Jesus was strengthening them against what would lie ahead for them. What a tender concern of Jesus Christ. When he was with them, he could always give them counsel and everything else, but he was going to go to heaven. And so he warns them, this is what's going to happen. When you bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're going to throw you in prison. They're going to forbid that you go to the synagogue. They're going to hate you. They're going to seek to kill you. 
Jesus told his disciples this. How gracious, how good of Christ to warn his disciples beforehand. And how good of Jesus Christ to warn you and me as we live in this world. The need for that warning is very evident. The question has been asked. Behold, that was one of the disciples, Peter. Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Well, yes, in this world, they would be offended because the world would hate them because they hated Christ. That's why Peter warns. Peter was warned, wasn't he? Peter, watch and pray lest ye enter into temptation. Why did that warning come to Peter? When he saw what the Roman soldiers and what the Jewish council was doing to Jesus Christ, all of a sudden he kind of took a step back. When a young maiden asks him, you're one of them, aren't you? He's offended. No, 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 I don't know the man. I don't know him. Peter, pray, watch, be careful. And do you remember, boys and girls, when that cock crew that morning after his denial, how he wept bitterly? You see, he was ashamed of Christ and being a disciple of Christ right then. But he was graciously forgiven just as each one of us is graciously forgiven for the sins in our life. Yes, we read in chapter 16, verse 2, you're going to be put out of the synagogues. That was already taking place when Jesus was still on earth, wasn't it? The Jewish leaders had told the people, anyone that mentions the name of Jesus, anyone that's a follower of Jesus, if they talk about Jesus, they're going to be put out of the temple, put out of the synagogues. Hatred. We read in John 16, verse 2, Whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. Do you remember Saul of Tarsus? Oh, he was a Jew of the Jews. He thought he was doing God's service by putting Christians into prison and even to death. That persecution of Christ's people comes, first of all, from the religious world. Jews who profess to be God's people, but also then becomes the theme of the world. Away. Why this warning? Faithfulness to Jesus Christ in your and my life will stir up religious rancor. They'll say, oh, you belong to that church? That narrow church? Faithfulness to Christ. Jesus says, When the time comes, you will remember that I told you of them. You see, Jesus told them that their faith in him 
would be increased when the events take place that he has predicted. And they are to stand then on the promises of his word. They're not alone, but expect persecution and hatred. That hatred is manifested. We can and we do expect. We're not surprised by the enmity we stand for Christ Jesus. Enmity from the world. Read the lives of those martyrs in many countries today. Enmity from neighbors. Enmity from co-workers. Oh, he prays before he eats. Oh, he won't join us at the bar afterwards. Enmity from old friends when we will not go along with them on some of the things they want to do and they're going to turn against us. And yes, even hatred from family. In Muslim nations, a father and brothers would seek to kill the person that would turn to Christ Jesus in their family. That's our experience in Singapore when young people confessed Christ Jesus. Their parents turned against them and wouldn't have anything to do with them. But we don't even have to go so far as Singapore, do we? Because we know even here locally, when there are young men or who young ladies come into our church, the family turns against them. The family says, hey, on Sunday we're going to do this as a family. We're going to have this kind of outing together. And when you dare say, no, 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 I belong with the family of God in worship. I belong in the worship service not only in the morning but also in the evening. They become angry. They'll turn against you. Hatred. Put out of the synagogues, persecuted and killed. What a terrible thing. Expect it. Hated for our association with Christ Jesus brings suffering. But boys and girls, what did Paul and Silas do when they had preached Christ, when they had cast an evil demon out of a young girl, and they were thrown into prison, they were beat in shackles, they sang. They sang in the middle of the night because they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ Jesus. Or as the Bible says, we are filling the sufferings of Jesus Christ. God finds us worthy to suffer for Jesus' sake. That brings me to my third point briefly. Hated, but here's the gospel, help. Because we never stand alone under the world's hatred. Although many times we might be lonely, who cares what others think about us? Don't we care what God thinks of us and what his Christ thinks of us? You see, Jesus is stressing to his disciples, whom he will be leaving soon by his death and resurrection and ascension, he says, abide in me. Abide in my love. Abide in my words. John 15, verse 9, As the Father of me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. 
John 15, verse 11, my joy might remain in you and you, your joy might be full. Verse 15, I've called you friends. Oh, how much more precious is Christ Jesus as our friend than any friends that the world could give us. Helped. Christ Jesus is always with us, will not desert us. Number two, hated but helped because we're put into the family of God. And that's why Jesus commands twice over in verse 12 and verse 17 in John 15, love one another. You see, there's that old sinful nature in us yet, and sometimes we're proud, sometimes we're jealous, sometimes there's envy, there's bitterness. And Christ says, no, 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 no. Your enemy is out there in the world. In the church, Jesus Christ, love one another, encourage one another, build up one another, help one another. These things I command you that you love one another. We're never alone. Your church family, Rebecca, is here always with you and all those who confess Christ Jesus. Not alone. Thirdly, helped. Because Jesus, in chapters 14, 15, and 16 of John's gospel, he speaks about the comforter, another comforter, namely the Holy Spirit. And that's how John 15 ends, isn't it? You will be hated, but... The Holy Spirit is promised to you. The Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost morning. Yes, that Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts and dwells in his church. Who is he? He is the spirit of truth. He is the comforter. What is his work? The Holy Spirit, by God's word, will strengthen you will enable us as sons and daughters of God to live for him, to consecrate our lives to him, to live as witnesses of Christ Jesus. Witness for him by our words of the mouth and also by our lifestyle. Yes, hated but helped to be a light in this dark world of sin. Verse 27, ye shall bear witness... Don't be offended then when the world hates you or family hates you or neighbors or old friends, but be thankful. Be thankful because as we suffer for Christ, so also we shall be glorified with Christ. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee for the family of God. We're thankful for Rebecca as she has joined this family. Bless each one of us as we live and as we witness in this world that we are sons and daughters of God, make us, O Lord, lights in the midst of darkness. Use our lives, our testimony, to bring others to Christ Jesus. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.